G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast, and this is episode 108. And just before we get to today's exciting guest, I just wanted to thank everybody for the past year who have been buying my book, The Fasting Highway, about my own journey with my intermittent fasting story. Uh, thank you so much, all the kind messages and feedback. It's been fantastic, and I'm glad it's resonated with people right around the world. So thank you. That's my book, The Fasting Highway, uh, which you can get on Amazon. Okay, let's get to today's guest. I'm going to be speaking to somebody who is a very popular member of The Fasting Highway Facebook group, and I'm talking of Jeff Gherkin. And Jeff is from Albany, New York State, in the United States of America. And Jeff is married to Amy, and they have a teenage son. And growing up, Jeff was always more or less a skinny kid. And then he got to age 25, and his weight started to increase. And then as he describes it in this podcast, his pants seemingly started to shrink. And I think we can all resonate with that one. And then from then, roll the clock forward. And Jeff made a New Year's resolution to himself back in January 2020, and he's never looked back. And here to tell us about his inspiring and amazing journey is Jeff Gherkin. Oh, g'day, Jeff, and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, much appreciated for your time, Jeff. Uh, you're a very inspiring member of the Fasting Highway Facebook group, and we thank you. But, Jeff, for those people out there that may not know you or your story, if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit of your backstory and what led you up to finding intermittent fasting? Uh, I, I don't know how long of a, a backstory you want me to go. I could go all the way back to being a kid. I was uh, kind of skinny and athletic, and that shaped who I am as a person that's always stayed with me the the image in my head of being you know like a skinny kid and I could run a lot and I played played soccer and I I ran track in high school I did one year of cross country and so that's that's my image but then as I became an adult you know sooner or later mid-20s uh certainly after I got married in my mid-20s I kind of blame my wife's cooking uh, you know, it seemed like my pants were shrinking. And that was like my mindset is like, why, why, why don't my pants fit? It, it can't possibly be because I was putting on weight, you know, it's like something, you know, going on with the laundry. And, and it's, it's as, as a little tangent, my, my dad was always overweight as I knew him as an, as he was an adult, you know, of course I never knew him as a kid. And he told me one day that he ran cross country when he was in high school. And I remember being like shocked. I was like, how could you possibly run cross country? You know, look at you. I'm thinking you're, you know, kind of heavy. <laughs> and, 
so I just wasn't really aware of genetically what was in store for me, you know, where, where my life was going to go just based on, you know, the normal diet of, you know, what we're eating. Uh, I'm, I'm in uh, New York state and in the United States of America and the typical diet, North American diet, it, it never dawned on me that that and my genetics that I was going to, you know, look like my dad. And I guess what kid wants to think that. So when that happened slowly, you know, uh, Maybe by the time my thirties, I was I was beginning to feel obese, and and with that becomes reduced ability to do activities. And I've always liked to do things like not not just the running and sports, not just those specific sports I mentioned, but I also uh, downhill ski a lot. I became a ski instructor. Uh, I would horseback ride a lot. Um, so there there was activities that I would like to do, and then the the ability to do those just diminished. And it, it's one, one might think, or at least I kind of thought, well, if, if you're putting on weight, then it's going to take more effort to do an activity. And by putting in more effort, somehow that's going to decrease the weight. That doesn't happen. And I'm sure you know, many people realize that this doesn't happen. What does happen is that it takes more effort to do the activity. So you do less of the activity. <laughs> and so you become more sedentary. So at times I, I tried to do something about it and, you know, the sort of typical kinds of diets of eating less and, and I could eat less for a while and I could lose some pounds, but then it would seem as though I, something would change where I, I was just, you know, too hungry. I had to eat more again. And then once you start eating more, then the weight comes right back on. So the weight never stays off. It always just comes right back on. And, it, and it's like every every few years when weight comes back on, there's more of it that comes back on. So you kind of get deeper and deeper into the obesity uh, sort of hole, black hole. I had a good effort in my 40s. Uh, my, my, my kid was like five years old and he, he was maybe a little older, but he, he, he was starting to get interested in soccer. And uh, I was hanging around with some of the other uh, dads that had their sons in some soccer program. And then one of the dads wanted to form a local soccer team comprised of the dads. And I was all in favor of that. And I, I thought I'd better, you know, lose a lot of weight to be able to play. And I was a bit older than most of the other dads at that point. And so I, I really ran a lot. I, I dieted, I, I got in shape. And so in, in my, in my mid to late forties, I went through a cycle of, of losing a lot of weight and, and I played a lot of soccer. I played 30 games, but what happens in, you know, with most people probably realize what happens in your forties, if you start trying to become athletic again, there's a high chance of injury. And so I had some uh, injury problems and I wasn't able to do those activities because of injury. And then when I wasn't doing those activities, then the weight just piled right back on. And so within a couple of years, I was already past my highest and, and heading toward an even higher number. So that brings me up to the 50s and um, I'm 56 right now. But I think by the time I crossed over into the 50s, I was I was up around 230 pounds. And for me, I'm about five foot nine. Um, for me, that weight was just 
you know, it was being obese and, and really dragging me down. And I, I was uh, uh, coaching on my son's youth team. And I've coached him and his team over the years. But, you know, being a coach, you kind of tell the kids to run. As the kids get older and, you know, they, they look at you um, and, and you're trying to teach them moves and you do moves. And, you know, as the kids get better, they eventually can catch up. And, you know, at, at some point, it, it's like the... I, don't know, I, I, had, I became self-conscious about, you know, how, how am I out here as, as such a fat person is my own view of myself at that time on, on the soccer field, trying to, you know, tell these kids and, you know, get them to run, get them to do the things they got to do, which they actually all did. All, every kid was great. And, you know, nobody ever said anything. I'm just saying that I, I started to become self-conscious that, you know, by the time the kids were like 12 years old, I, I could not keep up with them. And I mean, that's okay from a coaching point of view, because you're, you're supposed to use your mind and, you know, you're teaching somebody, but I'm just saying, you know, personally, it's like, you know, it's just, there, it, it became, I, I, you know, I, I think saying depression is, is overstating it, but it was kind of depressing. Like one of the things that, that was painful was with my eyes, I had, um, I had light sensitivity, which could be painful during the daytime trying to drive. But also at nighttime, I had like a, some kind of like dry eye issue where it seemed like my eyelid and my eye would kind of stick together and I'd wake up in the middle of the night. And I mean, it was very painful. And I tried to use eye drops. I, I bought some over-the-counter eye drops and I, um, I kind of fixed that problem. But, you know, it's just a, making sure every night I had the proper eye drops in my eyes so I could try to make it through the night. With the light sensitivity, I bought, you know, complete wraparound sunglasses that blocked out all the light so I could drive. Sometimes sitting in a room, even the light of a lamp was was painful to me. I also was more tired all the time. I remember just thinking, how am I going to drive home from work? I just, I felt tired. Like, I, I just wasn't going to be able to drive home. I wasn't going to be able to stay awake. I also, uh, I, I deer hunt and I used to uh, do archery hunting. Um... And we, when you do that, typically one of the ways to do that is you get up in a tree stand. And I could no longer go up in a tree stand. And not just because I was heavy. I could still physically climb the tree stand. But I thought there's no way I could sit up in a tree stand and not fall asleep. And, I, you know, I wasn't going to fall asleep in a tree stand and then possibly fall out. Um, so I stopped doing the archery hunting. Um, you know, like I say, just a general decline of any activities that I've been used to and I find myself sitting on the couch and I I remember it was it was uh, approaching Christmas of 2019 like just a couple weeks before and my wife was making uh, cookies she loves to cook she was baking cookies and my son I don't know his exact age at that time but you know he's He's a, a teenage boy playing sports, and he's thin as a rail, just as I used to be, right? So he, he has no idea genetically what's in store for him, for him, although I've since, you know, tried to talk to him about these issues. Um, but he could eat anything he wanted, just like I used to. And so my wife was baking cookies, and I was sitting there, and, and I was eating a lot to try and get energy. So I, I've mentioned, like, I, my fear of falling asleep. I don't want to fall asleep while I'm driving. And it's like the only way I knew to get energy was to eat more. And so I was just eating constantly, I, always hungry, but yet feeling like I don't have any energy at all. And I was 
So I was, I was sitting in the living room with my son a couple weeks before Christmas. My wife was baking the cookies and they smelled great. Like, you know, all of her cooking smells great. And it just, it just dawned on me that I just cannot do this. I have to, I have to change something. Um, I had some other health issues that were, you know, kind of starting to pile on too. And I just didn't feel good. You know, it, like I, I felt sick. I wasn't like anything specifically sick. And I guess I could go to a doctor and they could, you know, run a whole bunch of tests and stuff. I just, I wasn't the kind of person really to go to a doctor, but I just wasn't feeling good. And I thought this is not going where I want it to be going. And I kind of had somewhat resigned to just, well, this is part of being old and, you know, this is old age. This is what it's like. When those cookies were done and I thought about eating them, and as much as I wanted to, I, I said I had to. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. I, I didn't think I would even cry thinking about this, but it was just uh, like a, a really moving moment that I had to. Gosh, I, I want to get past this and not cry through this, just tell the story here. I had to tell my wife that I couldn't eat her cookies. And. You know, it's, it's kind of like her cooking is a way of expressing love and my eating it seemed like a way to express love. And I think that's pretty common with food. Um, relatives make food for people and then they show their appreciation by eating it. And, and I had to explain to her that I wasn't going to eat her cookies and you know, I didn't, I didn't love her any less. I just had to make a change. And I didn't know what the change was going to be. I just knew at that moment I had to stop doing what I was doing. And I think I, I started looking at Facebook, um, maybe some other ideas on the Internet. And I was looking for diet ideas. There's like low-carb Facebook groups. There's keto Facebook groups, all kinds of groups. And I had stumbled upon uh, Jen Stevens' um, intermittent fasting Facebook group, one of her groups. She had, she had a couple of different groups. And I didn't know hardly anything about it. You know, like one, I remember, like in my memory, someone had told me about uh, one meal a day. And I, I had thought about that. And that some reason that stuck in my mind. Like, you know, why would somebody eat just one meal a day? And how could that be better? And, and I had no idea how that would work. By joining Jen's Facebook group on intermittent fasting, I started to learn about it. So uh, January 1st, 2020, I made my New Year's resolution where I was going to, I started slow. I was only going to fast 12 hours a day and it was extremely difficult. And in retrospect, that fasting 12 hours was more difficult than any fasting I've done since. And the way I did that was I stopped eating, you know, around like 6 p.m., you know, after dinner. And I wasn't going to have things like Christmas cookies or desserts or you know, like nine o'clock snacks or 11 o'clock snacks before bed or get up in the middle of the night and get something to eat. And then um, I was going to fast all the way until breakfast and then try to eat a healthy breakfast and then, you know, eat, eat during the day. Um, but not a lot. Try to control my eating and try to clean it up. And then when I got home and I ate dinner, I wasn't going to eat after dinner. And all I was going to do between, say, 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. was drink water. And so, like I say, that was very difficult to do. I, I did that by uh, not having breakfast at home and uh, 
my my wonderful wife, she made me hard boiled eggs so I could take those to work because I wasn't eating. You know, she would make me eggs in the morning and I wasn't going to eat the eggs in the morning. I was going to delay that until like maybe 10 a.m. and take hard boiled eggs and eat a hard boiled egg at work. And then eventually I I'd stopped eating at 10 and, and moved that till noon lunchtime. And I had food I was taking with me. And, and let's say every couple of weeks I experimented on lengthening the fast. And every time I lengthened the fast, it all worked out. And I couldn't believe it. I was like amazed. How could this happen? And, and the more I fasted, the better I felt. And of course, weights started coming off. Eventually, within two months, I made the big step of not taking any food at all to work. Although I, I, I had some like uh, beef jerky or something I took with me in a bag just in case there was an emergency and I had to open it up and eat something, which I never had to. So I didn't take any any uh, food with me at all to work and I was just going to eat one meal a day. So I only ate dinner when I came home and I was so amazed that I could do that. I mean, I remember the first time I did a 24 hour fast and it just, it, even at that time, when I first did that fast, I had my doubts that I could do it. It just did not seem physically possible. Like, cause our, our perception, my perception anyways, and when I grew up, I felt like I needed to eat every two hours. You know, how could somebody go 24 hours without eating? And it was perfectly fine. And like I say, the longer I fasted, the better I felt and the weight came off. And so, you know, I was completely sold within, I'd say the first year of fasting. So the end of 2020, um, and even like going through COVID and all those issues that people have adjusting to the, the different changes through the, the COVID emergency pandemic, um, I just kept fasting and, and the fasting was something that was, it was easy to do. It was easy to focus on and just keep fasting. Like it's like, no matter whatever chaos is going around me, if I was in a fast, I, I wasn't going to stop fasting. I just kept fasting until I planned dinner time. By the end of that year, that, that first whole year, I had gone from 230 pounds down to about 180 pounds. And so that, that's, uh, 50 pounds and that like completely changed my life and I, I set my goal to go down to 165 pounds so in, in the second year of fasting so going through 2021 by the summer of 2021 I reached that goal of 165 pounds and uh, so I'm sorry I gave you a long answer that's my fasting background yeah, that's fantastic, Jeff, and um, <clears throat> that's a great backstory, and I can resonate with so much of what you just said then. But let's just wind the clock back, Jeff, to that January 1, 2020, when you first started, and you kicked in with that sort of 12 and 12 protocol, and I really love that, that you started slowly, and then you just worked up to it. You increased your fast every other week until you got up towards that 23 and 1. No, with you, one meal a day, is it more like going to a restaurant or is it more like having like a three-course meal or is it just sort of one plate of food a day? How do you work that? Well, I, I started out thinking that I could give myself like two or three hours to eat a meal if needed. And I found that I didn't need that, that I, that I eat pretty fast. And... So then I, I decided I should tighten that up to just one hour. And so the way it works for me is that 
I, I start the meal and I always wait until five o'clock and that's an arbitrary time, but it's a time that I picked. I wait until five. So no matter what, I'm not going to eat until five. Now I could, I could start the meal at six or start it at seven. Uh, I could say my son's in soccer. Sometimes my wife and I would go to a soccer game and we might not get back until nine o'clock at night. Okay. That's when the meal starts. It'd be a one hour meal, but it's never going to be before 5 p.m. So when that when that meal starts, I always try to have a salad, and I usually have a leafy green spinach and some carrots, uh, uh, some cheese, you know, maybe an egg. And I, I try to eat what I consider to be healthy foods because I know that even though I'm not hungry during the fast, I know when the meal starts that immediately my appetite is strong. So when my appetite is strong like that, I, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to eat the healthiest, healthiest food I can find. And like, I've never been a big carrot eater, but if I eat a carrot now after fasting for 23 hours, it tastes very sweet. It tastes very good. So I try to eat sort of whole natural foods that taste really good because, you know, I haven't been eating all day long. If I had been eating all day long, I wouldn't eat those foods. I'd have to eat a donut or something, eat, you know, cake, cookies. But because I haven't been eating, when I get to that time, it's, that's, that's the opportunity to have the healthiest foods first. And something bulky like a salad that, you know, kind of takes time to eat and fills up your stomach a bit, takes a lot of chewing. And then after I have that, then I have some kind of main dish that my wife is making. It's usually some kind of meat dish. Like it might be baked chicken, you know, um, could be sausages. And there may or may not be some kind of side, you know, might be some vegetable uh, like broccoli or corn or potato, something. Um, or it might not even be anything. Like the, the more I progress, then sometimes I say, well, I don't, I don't need any potatoes. Um, and not, not always. So I'm just saying, like, I, I kind of, I, I change my food choices. And so sometimes I cut out things and I, like, I try not to have French fries. I try not to have things that are overly processed, but she and my son may make those. And so sometimes I don't have those and I'll just have the meat portion of the dish. And then after I have that, then I'll go and um, get something like mixed nuts um, I like dates a lot. The, you know, the small fruit dates are very sweet. Um, but I think they have a lot of potassium. They have a lot of nutrients. And I, I limit myself to just four of those. So for whatever reason, I pick four as a number just to say, okay, I'm going to have some mixed nuts and I'm going to have four dates. And this is obviously after, it's after the salad, after the main dish. And now I'm heading toward like a dessert kind of mindset. And that's where the dates come in. And then I try to have a fresh fruit. Uh, I've been eating a lot of pears, so I usually have one pear, and I, I usually I dice up that pear. And then I have some yogurt to go with it, plain Greek yogurt. And uh, plain yogurt is very sour, but if you mix it with a fruit, like a pear, or it could be an orange, could be an apple, you know, anything. Um, if you mix it with a fruit, then the sweet and the sour mix together very well. And so then I'll have that. 
And hopefully by the time I have that yogurt and fruit as my final dessert, final food, hopefully I'm done and I'm full and I stop. And it may only take me 40 minutes, 45 minutes to get to that point. And if I stop and 15 minutes goes by, I look at my watch, the hour is done. Ideally, I go into the fast because the hour is up. And I know from experience that even if I thought I had room to eat more later, you know, like if you wait another hour or two, then um, especially my, my son's getting into some kind of snacks, um, you know, he'll be eating something, maybe ice cream, bowl of ice cream, you know, that looks good. And then my mind says, yeah, I could go for a bowl of ice cream. Well, if I hold true to the idea that one hour meal and I'm in my fast, I know that physically I will be perfectly fine. I'm not actually hungry. It's just mentally, you know, something looks like it would be good. And I, I can always make it until the next day. I can always make it until 5 p.m. the next day. And I might not even eat at 5 p.m. I might eat at 6 or 7 or 8. So I know going into the fast, I can always make it. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. That's, that's how I do the one meal. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, Jeff. And also, Jeff, you mentioned in year one of doing intermittent fasting, you lost 50 pounds. And you mentioned there that it was life-changing for you losing that 50 pounds in the first year. Just tell us about that. What were some of the things that started to happen for you that was life-changing, the non-scale victories, the health benefits, those sorts of things? Yeah, it, it's losing that 50 pounds, and I, and I kept losing as I went into the second year. So I eventually lost a total of 65 pounds. But that, that 50 pounds was where really, when that was gone, you know, that made a huge difference to me. So for my body, my height being at 180 pounds is a whole lot different than being at 230 pounds. It's like a night and day difference. So the the sense of having no energy, had that had gone away because during the fast, I have tons of energy. And as we went through uh, the COVID situation, there were some changes at work. Um, my boss had retired and I was asked to do his duties and, but, you know, nobody was replacing me. So, you know, then it's, this probably is not unusual. There's probably a lot of people that, you know, through COVID changes at work that, you know, it's difficult to go through hiring practices and, you know, a lot of people are working remote and you're taking on extra duties. Well, the only way that I could have possibly done that was by um, the extra energy that fasting was giving me. And the extra focus, because I, I didn't think I could do what was asked of me at work, but I was able to. And that was a big change because it's like I, I felt like previous to that, previous to starting fasting, and my, my boss was around and he was doing his job and I was doing my job. I just kind of felt like I was sort of coasting along at work. And like I say, I was really tired all the time and I wasn't able to... Um, I, I didn't feel as though I was able to even drive home. So that's how bad that was. Like, let alone take on more duties at work that would not have been possible. I just didn't seem like I had the energy. And I don't mean to say I was coasting as like that I was purposely taking it easy. It's just like I felt like I knew how to do everything and there was no challenges. And even if there was challenges, I would have not been able to, to step up my, my game to reach those. And then... By fasting and then the changes brought about by COVID, when I was asked to do more, suddenly all this energy was available to focus and do things, 
without even being hungry. It's like I, I didn't know how it was happening. How, how, where does that energy come from? Driving home from work, you know, was no longer an issue. I could just drive home easy. Um, and I noticed my eyesight started to get better because I used to drive home and look at taillights in front of me and see double vision. The taillights, the red taillights would kind of be bouncing around in front of me at night as I drove home. After fasting, you know, a year, I, I don't know the exact time that I noticed the change, but let's, let's say after a year, after I'd lost that 50 pounds that my eyesight had become sharper without the double vision. And then the pains that I des described, the light sensitivity during the daytime, you know, like maybe driving into work a lot of times, I would be driving into the sun and the sunlight was hitting my eyes and it wasn't painful at all. I mean, I would put my visor down, you know, to block the sun like anybody would, but I didn't need special sunglasses so the light sensitivity was gone. Sitting in a room at night with a lamp on, the lamp didn't hurt my eyes. And then sleeping through the night, there was no more dry eye. I stopped taking the eye drops. And and that was a little bit scary because I was reluctant to say, well, if I don't take eye drops, I might wake up in the middle of the night with, you know, kind of this searing pain. But, you know, one day I, I tried this. Okay, I'm not going to take eye drops. I'll see what happens. And nothing happened. It was, everything was fine. Um, any of the other health issues uh, all seemed to go away. Like I, I had no pains. All, all pains through my body were gone. I don't know, just a lot of energy and no pains. I, I had a, uh, what do you call it, a skin tag. And, you know, one of those, like, it's not, it's not a mole, but it's, you know, it's like extra skin that hangs out. And, and they, they tend to, like, grow as you age. And then it stopped getting bigger and it got smaller and smaller until eventually it fell off. You know, I don't know if that was like a year and a half of fasting when that happened. And so, and I had read about other people had those, those things happen where, where a skin tag falls off, um, aches and pains go away. And it, I, I can't, you know, I can't really say like how much of it is due to losing weight versus how much of it is due to the fasting, it certainly could be a combination of both. I think the increased energy, because I, I can feel when I go into ketosis, I can feel that change in my body. And that's when the energy really surges. So that increased energy, I would attribute to fasting in addition to what someone might gain from losing weight. And I think the other benefits, like a skin tag falling off, I don't think that happens just from losing weight. I think that's some healing that happens during fasting. Um, my eyes, maybe, I, I think I was uh, just at the onset of diabetes is why those issues were happening. I also had some uh, pain problems in my fingers and in my toes that were just starting, like that, that was before fasting, they were just starting to be noticeable. So I was probably in, in what's called pre-diabetes all of those issues went away. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm 20 years younger. And looking at your pictures, Jeff, you certainly look 20 years younger, I've got to say. But Jeff, exercise, I know you're a sports guy, you love your sport, and uh, you're a ski instructor, as you mentioned there, amongst other things, and a soccer coach and a soccer player. And now I know that you do a bit of bike riding and running, and you recently completed a uh, 10-mile run, which I read about, which is absolutely fantastic. So tell us about the exercise regime. Just before I started fasting, by, by t um, 
by the time I had gotten to where I needed to make the decision of a, of a life change, I had started to become real sedentary. So I had stopped ski instructing. I had stopped coaching. I had stopped everything, you know, pretty much except sitting on a couch and watching TV and thinking this is it. I'm old and, you know, nothing good. Well, after losing that 50 pounds and, um, and even early on in fasting, because I, I had made it a resolution, not only was I going to fast 12 hours when I started out my first day of fasting in January 1st, 2020, I also, part of my resolution was I was going to start exercising 20 minutes a day at least. I know 20 minutes isn't long, but I thought, you know, the heck, I could just not watch a TV show and I can go do some, some kind of exercise, do something. And I had been exercising every single day for 20 minutes, doing something. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, just anything, a, a walk, you know, go back to doing the German Shepherd mile where I would take my dog for a full three laps. And, you know, maybe it'd take me 20 minutes to walk her a mile. By the time that first year of fasting was over, and I'd lost 50 pounds, then I started thinking maybe I could start running again. And, and my wife, um, she had been exercising. She was, she was heavier than she wanted to be, but she had, she had gotten into bike riding. And so I was thinking maybe I would uh, bike ride with her. And the sort of the, the context for that is we live in a hilly area and at 230 pounds, even though I could get on a bike and I owned a bike, I wasn't going to go very far. I mean, it's just, it was just like, no way I wasn't going to go very far. And, and I, and I mean, when I say not far, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ride a bicycle a mile even back then, you know, there's no way. So, my wife was riding a bike, bicycle and, and she was going uh, with a group that rides and she would drive down to what we call the flatlands where it's flatter. But they would ride a lot. They would ride like 20 miles. And I started to um, run just a little bit, not a lot. Like, and I say a little bit, like run like very slowly. If I'm walking a mile, I would just run for a, like a quarter of that. And so... You know, I'd walk and then I'd run a little bit and then I'd walk and just just a little bit to test it out. And then bike riding, I started to ride what little bit I could around here. And I wasn't really trying the hills, but I was trying to get in shape and and losing weight. So this is, uh, I'd say, during my second year of fasting, and especially as um, we we came towards springtime. So spring starts around here, around uh, April is pretty iffy. There can be a lot of snow in April still, or very cold weather. But April, May, by the time you hit May, it's nice out. And um, I, I thought, okay, I'll try. I took my son's bike, and I went with my wife. And she has a group of people she rides with, and I'll try to keep up with you. And I asked her if she would, you know, hopefully I won't cry, you know, because it's like a big step. But you know, as nice as she is, I was like asking, well, will you slow down or stay in the back of the pack so that I can, you know, keep up with you? And, and she had the directions. She had like some Garmin, you know, some 
something on her gadget that she was keeping the directions of a bike ride. And this would be like a 20 mile bike ride with a club. And I didn't know if I could do the ride. And I, I took my uh, son's bike because it was a little newer, better than my bike. And uh, we're about the same size at that time, height wise, <laughs> not, not width wise. And uh, I was able to do it. And, you know, it was a pretty slow back of the ride. My wife was slowing down. And I know she doesn't really like to slow down for me, but she was slowing down and staying with me. And so that that's encouraging to keep doing it. And so this is like the opposite of when when you're gaining weight and you start backing away from activities because they're just too hard to do less of these activities. Well, when you're losing weight and getting more energy, it encourages you to do more and more. So every time you try an activity and it works out, you're encouraged to do it again. And then the more you do these activities, the more I rode bikes the farther I could go the next time. And I would always feel good. It, you know, like the, the fasting would make me feel good. I'd have tremendous amount of energy. I didn't have to eat. You know, it wasn't like I had to eat before the activity. If I'm going on a 20-mile bike ride, I wasn't going to eat beforehand. And I wasn't going to eat after. And I didn't need to. I just had all this energy. And so the more I did it, the better I got at it. And so I was working on both the bike riding and the running. And what I was trying to do is switch back and forth between them so I didn't get any repetitive use injuries and I was still losing weight. So as I was getting down closer to 165 pounds, I then kind of started to throw caution to the wind. I wasn't worried about getting injured anymore because I wasn't getting injured. I was light. I had a lot of energy. So I then started to run um, a mile uh, three miles. I, I think when I ran three miles, I was like, all right, now I know I can run again. I'm not usually much of a crier, but you know, the, the, like the tears yeah. keep coming to me as I think about, you know, running three miles and, and three miles, uh, 3.1 miles is a 5k. And that's, that's a very common run in America, 5k, five kilometers. And it, it's something that, is a milestone for somebody who is, is like getting off the couch and it's a common thing is they want to be able to run a 5k. And so when I could run three miles, I knew I could run a 5k and I knew I could pretty much do anything running. And it was just a matter of time to build my strength up, but I, I knew I could do it. So, so being able, when I could run three miles nonstop and I felt good at the end of it and I felt good the next day, I thought the sky's the limit. So yeah, recently I've worked my way up to 10 miles now. I've, I've run 10 miles nonstop. And um, I want to run a half marathon in uh, three months from now. There's one scheduled. Uh, my wife has signed up for it and I'm signed up for it. And that's 13.1 miles, I think. And I know I can run that because I just did the 10 miles and, and the 10 miles was fine. So I know I can do this half marathon. And I've never run over 10 miles. I, I ran 10 miles back in high school and cross country. We were asked to do, uh, you know, some training runs. And that would have been a long training run because our races back then were, were I think there were 5K cross country races. And they were, you know, cross fields and up and down hills. But 10 miles was a long training run. And that was the longest I ever ran. 
and I just ran that. And when I ran it uh, last week, that, I mean, that definitely was in my mind that I'm running the farthest I've ever ran. And I made sure I went a little past 10 because I knew that when I was in high school, I knew I never went over 10. And if anything, we actually went under 10 because being us kids, we were kind of messing around a lot. And so we didn't always complete the runs as scheduled. Uh, we'd go into an apple orchard and uh, have apple wars or something. Um, you know, we didn't completely mess around, but we did a little bit of mess around. But So it meant a lot to me to know I was going past 10 miles and it's the longest I've ever ran. And I'm doing this, you know, at age 56 and I'm healthy and able to do it. And like I, I said earlier, that I've had this image of myself as being a skinny kid and able to run. And that's what was with me in my mind, even when I was sitting obese on a couch, not able to do anything. I was wondering, where is that skinny kid? How do I reconnect with him? You know, is, is that kid gone? I'm in old age. I'm heading toward, you know, let's be realistic. I'm, I'm heading toward death is what I thought. You know, this is pretty much the end. And, and I know there's a lot of things that people can do. And, you know, some people can't even run at all. But I'm just saying that that was my mindset. It's like I had I had gotten so far away from that skinny kid. And now I've rediscovered that skinny kid. And my wife has an interest in running and biking. And she since had started fasting. When she saw me lose the weight, she started fasting too. And so she's lost weight. Even though she was running and biking a lot, you know, she was heavier than she wanted to be and wasn't able to lose that weight. But by fasting, she's lost weight by doing that. And so now we're both, you know, very fortunate to go out and bike and run. Um, we do bike together. We don't usually run together. It's just kind of harder to run together. Kind of, kind of a more independent sport, whereas biking, you can go with a club and run. I know there's there's run clubs too, but I don't know something about biking is it's more social. You can you can be you can be going along on the bike and you're talking to other people and you're all going to some destination. And, um, so we bike together, and I actually uh, we both did we did a hundred mile bike ride, and that was that was a big deal for us to go a hundred miles, and that, that's like I, I forget the, ex the exact time I was pedaling, but you know there's somewhere around like six to eight hours that you're actually pedaling you know you have stops and you get back on your bike have water breaks but i did not eat didn't eat anything before didn't eat anything during didn't eat anything after and i had all the energy to keep going and so i was you know very pleased to be able to do that so between the 100 mile bike ride and the 10 mile run those to me they're just um expressions of health and expressions of being mobile and being able to go out and do things. And and I said that uh, it's very hilly where we live. My wife and I now, we go up and down the hills since we both lost weight through fasting. We go up and down the hills on our bikes, no problem. And uh, we've had uh, some friends from the bike club, from the, the Flatlanders, uh, have them come up to the hills and you know show them some routes and um, you know, see if they're okay with it and if they enjoy it. Because it, we live in a rural area. It's very pretty. There's some nice country roads to go on. But you have to pay the price in being able to go up and down the hills. So it's amazing that we can do this. I, I look at where I live and it's like, I lived here for, you know, like over 20 years where I never was riding a bike up and down these hills because 
there was no way to do that. And now I'm a lot older and I am able to do it because of the fasting. I think that's great, Jeff. And I resonate with everything you talked about there, about when you lose the weight and how freeing it is and how you're able to do all these things. And you might have read that I did a hike, 120 kilometers, rugged terrain. Never in my life did I think I would be able to do that. And as the weight was coming off me, these things all became possible. And we have it all ahead of us, Jeff, and that's the great thing. But, Jeff, I want to talk about mindset. You strike me as a guy that has a great mindset, and you wear your heart on your sleeve, raw emotion coming out of you there in this interview. But what part did mindset play for you, Jeff, in this journey so far? Yeah, I think that that's really hard to answer. I, I'm, I'm determined to do things if I set my mind to it. And I, and I think, uh, you know, sort of my background in sports is, is part of that. Um, I, I used to run the 400 hurdles, 400 meters once around the track with hurdles. And, and to be competitive doing that, you have to accept a lot of pain, but you, you have to set your mind to it. You say, okay, I know that this pain is going to happen. And I know the effort and the skill that I need to get over the hurdles. And once I've taught, I'm taught to do that. Um, when I was in high school, uh, a graduating senior, when I was a sophomore, taught me how to do that. The coaches didn't even know how to do it. But it took one hurdler to pass that on to someone else. One person who knows how to do something, pass it on to someone else. And, and it kind of reminds me of fasting here and what you're doing. It's like you can go to a doctor. The doctor might not know about it, but, you know, Graham Curry knows how to do this. And he can teach someone how to do this. And it was like that with hurdles. So that the hurdles were there, and I knew how to get over them. And I had to be determined to keep up a certain reasonable reasonable amount of speed to make it all the way around that track once because you can't go full speed you have to be patient you go full speed you're not going to make it you have to be patient but you want to go fast enough and you have to be determined and and the pain it's not as much physical it's, it's almost like you're kind of scared toward the end of the race where you're getting out of breath and you have to have faith that you can keep going that you can do it that you can make it and that kind of reminds me of fasting, say, when you're first going to do a 24-hour fast, if, if, if someone chooses to try to do that. It's like physically, you're able to complete it. You can make it. You're not going to fall down. You're not going to die. But your mind is saying, there's no way I can do this. And the pain is, is emotional as much as it is physical. There may be, when you're first starting out fasting, there's going to be some hunger pains but they're going to come and go. And you just have to be determined to get through that. And so I, I think this mindset that I had in the back of my mind from when I used to run hurdles is sort of the same mindset. It's like this job is in front of me and I know I can do this. There's going to be some rough spots and I can get through it. And I think a lot of people have some kind of experience where they've had rough spots to get through and their determination has gotten through it and they know they can do it. And they just have to make themselves do it. And then once you, you do it the one time, the second time is so much easier. And 
the third time and the fourth time. So being able to fast 24 hours the first time is very scary. But then, you know, within a couple months, it doesn't take anything for me to fast 24 hours. And, and now that I'm going into my third year of fasting, and, and I, I mentioned to you, I, I make myself wait until 5 p.m. That's, it's, that's no big deal at all. There's no doubt that I'm going to make it, in, you know, tomorrow until 5 p.m. When I first started, I'd be looking at my watch, you know, it'd be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, is it 5 yet? Is it 5 yet? <laughs> no, it's only 2, you know, a little bit later, 3 o'clock. Is it 5 yet? Is it 5 yet? You know, but now it doesn't matter. I don't look at my watch. It's just, it's just easy to do. But I think I had to get through it with the mindset and the determination. And then once I prove that I can do it, then it becomes easier and easier and easier. Yeah, well, I agree with that. It does. And you did the right thing. And I always implore people, start slowly. Keep in your comfort zone. Don't try and go too hard too soon. I mean, I started at 23 and 1, Jeff, day one, because I didn't know any different, right? And in reflection, going back, I wish I'd started a little bit slowly, even though it's been very successful for me. But I think that's an important message to relay to people is not to try and do it too much, too hard, too fast, because it will become hard for you at the start. Whereas if you ease into it, what Jeff's talking about there, and just increase your fast as you go along, you've got the rest of your life to do this. It's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. So just ease into it and go for it. But Jeff, the other thing is I want to talk to you about is maintenance. And you're heading towards that now, maintaining your weight uh, in the future. Have you thought about that much, maintaining? Yeah, that, that's an interesting topic because at, when I, I got down to 165 and I was like, everything's great. And thinking it, thinking about it from a running perspective as well as biking, and I, and, and I thought to myself, you know, I could stand to lose 10 more pounds. I really ought to be going down to 155. I should make that my new goal. And I mean, there, there's, there's like no real reason. It's just an arbitrary thing. And it's like, how lean can I get? You know, how good can I run? It's a little bit of competitive nature in myself. Can I do it? And, and about the time that I decided to make that my new goal, we're heading toward um, the holidays and Thanksgiving in America is a pretty big deal. And that is just a whole lot of eating and meeting with relatives and increased stress and there's also increased stress from work because I have to get time off. And so like, I'm sure a lot of people can identify with it's like, you know, to get time off from work, it makes it so much more difficult because when you get back, your work's going to be double, it's going to be piled on. So there's, there's work stress involved with holidays and then there's family stress and travel stress. And then there's all the food. So going through all the holidays, uh, Christmas, New Year's. So I, I just, I, I weigh myself once a week. And um, today I weighed myself. And I weigh myself before my run. Sometimes I weigh again after a run. Um, but I didn't weigh after. So so today I ran five miles. Uh, I, I know you had said it was, uh, it's been hot in um, Australia. Well, it was 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So below freezing and snow on the ground, but I went out and I, and I did the five miles. So I, I feel good for doing that. Um, but my weight 
before that is 173. So here I was at 165 thinking, you know, I'm going to be going down to 155. Well, over the holidays, I put on a little bit of weight and it's okay. So as far as maintaining, you, you have to be diligent, but you also have to be accepting that things can happen. Stresses can happen. Holidays can happen. Things can happen that you can put on weight. And I think the body is more than willing to put on weight. And the way I put on weight was I was simply eating too much and I had lengthened my windows, you know, at holidays, meeting with family, just, you know, so not the one hour window, let it go, you know, till nine o'clock at night. Um, so, you know, maybe it was a four hour window, which I know for a lot of people, they, they fast and use a four hour eating window and they're successful with it with me. I can eat a lot of food in four hours and I was eating pies and ice cream and uh, things that I shouldn't eat. And it's not that I can't eat them, but there's the price to pay. And it's not that any of this is bad. I'm just trying to say that this can happen. You, you can be in a maintenance mindset, but I think it, it might be difficult to stay at a certain weight when you're doing ups and downs with life and going through holidays could put on weight. But here I am, we're um, past the new year, and I'm back on my normal schedule. And I think the weight's going to come off pretty easy now to get back to where I was at 165. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident of that. I mean, because I know what I've been eating all week, and, you know, it hasn't been difficult to do the fasting. And I'm not meeting with family, and, you know, we don't have big spreads of food. You know, I just had my normal dinner that I described where I'm going to have a salad and a main dish and then, you know, some kind of fruit yogurt dessert. So the, the maintaining, I think, is just doing what was successful to get you to lose the weight in the first place. But you have to also be accepting and forgiving of yourself that there can be times where you can put some weight back on and not panic and not say it's the end of the world. You just get back to the kind of fasting that was successful for you, and then that weight's going to come back off. I agree with that, Jeff. And I think it's giving yourself grace and realizing that life events happen, holidays happen, occasions happen, and yes, we increase some volume in our food. We may take on a few extra carbohydrates. We may drink more alcohol than we're used to doing, and we may have a spike. But as you said, the tools of intermittent fasting are there and pretty soon you'll be back to that 165, I have no doubt. But Jeff, I wouldn't mind before we go, could you give some words of advice to somebody out there that's just starting and looking to start intermittent fasting? What sort of advice would you give someone that's just looking to start? The, the first thing is to believe that it works because, you know, it, it the fasting isn't something that I knew about for much of my life. So the idea that it would work seemed crazy. The idea that you could go 24 hours without eating and have energy and that it would make any difference. Like what difference does it make when you eat? Well, it does make a difference when you eat because of, um, and I don't want to go into the details here, but if you look at what happens with insulin, while you were fasting, how insulin goes low, and then how that insulin 
allows you to keep hunger under control and it allows you to access your body's stored reserves to burn that for fuel and to increase your energy. And that's all through keeping insulin low, which is accomplished by fasting. So if somebody was to look into that, they would reassure themselves that there is something definitely different about fasting versus some kind of dieting where you're trying to reduce how much you eat, but you're still eating frequently throughout the day. That will make you hungry. I mean, because I've tried to do that. I know from my own experience that that kind of dieting makes me hungry. The fasting, I am not hungry during the fast. So if you're starting out, you have to believe that this is what fasting does and that it's a natural, normal thing that humans have been doing for thousands of years. It's just in modern society, we have food available all the time. So many of us haven't ever experienced fasting until we make a determined effort to say, I'm going to eat different than all the other people are eating around me. I'm not going to be eating all day long. I'm going to take a period of time where I'm not eating at all. And, and try to do that, you know, when there's advertising and there's um, you passing fast food, food, fast food restaurants and you have grocery stores. So you have this constant influx of food. You have to believe that the fasting works. You will not be hungry and you will have more energy. It just takes a little bit of time for the body to get used to that, to adapt to that. And be able to go into ketosis, which someone could look up what that is. You go into ketosis, you get that energy, and you're not hungry. So what am I try trying to say? I'm trying to say to someone starting out, believe that that happens. And once that happens, realize how powerful of a tool it is. It's incredibly powerful that I can go through... And, and this is just an arbitrary number because someone else may choose a longer time. Someone may choose a shorter time. But I can go through 23 hours with no food at all and be perfectly happy with extra energy, more energy than I ever had when I was eating multiple meals and have zero hunger. I have no hunger during the fast. That is such an incredible, powerful tool. And so someone starting out, believe that you can get to that. It's not anything special about me. It's something that humans can do. This is how, you know, we went through evolution or we're designed, whatever way you want to look at this. It's a tool that we have. It's just that we haven't realized it's there. And so by not eating, weight cannot come on. Not eating for a certain period of time and then, you know, um, experts who do know about fasting, so some like Jen Stevens has looked a lot into this, is we know that we have to eat intermittently. It's like we're not going to fast for a week straight. We're going to eat, you know, every day or every other day. However, you know, whatever kind of schedule you get on, you're going to eat because then your body gets this food back and says, okay, we're not in some kind of emergency. Everything's okay. So if you're starting out fasting, you're going to have this powerful tool where you can go a day without food and not be hungry. And you can do that every day of the week if you choose to, where you're eating, you know, like one hour each day, 23 hours. You have no food. You have tremendous amount of energy. That's that's with my 23-1 schedule. And there's, there's multiple schedules. You can, you know, choose whatever works for you. 
But if you're beginning, you might not believe that's true. And I think that that's probably the hardest thing for a beginner is not believing it's true. And then the next thing, they may believe it's true for others, but it can't be true for them, that they are the exception. And, and a lot of people starting out, they probably have had weight issues and they're a little insecure. I, you know, I was insecure, you know, trying to coach in front of 12 year old soccer kids when I was way overweight, you know, I was insecure about that. What could those kids learn from me? Well, for the person starting out with fasting, you're probably insecure thinking this fasting isn't going to work for me. And so the advice I'm trying to give you is believe that it does work. It will work. What you yep. do with it is then up to you. Great advice, Jeff. And I think I'll add to that. Patience is a virtue. With this intermittent fasting, give it six to 12 months minimum to make a full evaluation. And you'll find that once you do that, I think a lot of people are too quick to judge and they do it for a week and they think, I can't do this anymore. Whereas if you be patient and you give it time, it will work for you. But Jeff, I can't tell you how great it's been to talk to you. I really enjoyed this chat and thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. Thank you for having me. Nice talking to you. You too, Jeff. Take it easy. Bye. All right. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. That was fantastic. And thank you for sharing that beautiful story with us. And I found it very inspiring, motivational, and at times very emotional. And I could resonate with so much of what your journey's been like. And I think a lot of us can. And I think you're going to go on and inspire many, many people around the world. And thank you for being an inspiring member of the Fasting Highway Facebook group too. So if you want to see more of Jeff or myself or anybody else, it's, you know, we've got 5,000 people in that group now. Come and join us there at the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, you'll get a warm welcome. And there's always somebody to help you get started on your journey like Jeff and many others. So thank you so much again, Jeff. Okay, folks, uh, also don't forget, uh, as I mentioned there prior to the podcast, uh, if you're interested in my own story and you want to get some insights about intermittent fasting, uh, you'll find that in my book, The Fasting Highway, which you can get on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. If you are in New Zealand or Australia, um, you can actually get it direct from me on my website at www.thefastinghighway.com. Okay, so until next week, be well, be safe, and remember... Clean fasting is everlasting.